Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording the show on Sunday, March 21st, 2021. A very significant night in animation history, Drew. Tonight, the 700th episode of The Simpsons airs on Fox. I did not even know this until you... Well, we were talking about it earlier. Here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and I knew for a fact that the 666th episode of The Simpsons, that was one of the Halloween Houses of Horror episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm kind of surprised that this one didn't get more play, but they seem to have gone all out. There's a, a brand new Bill Plimpton couch gag out front. We talked back in December of last year about Bill's next feature film, Slide. I guess he was doing a Kickstarter at that point. They did make their their goal. 593 people came forward. They contributed over $84,000. So we will, in fact, get to see a brand new Bill Plimpton movie sometime in 2022. Great. On the other hand, you produce your 700th episode and... I guess it was the folks over at Variety who asked Al Jean, the executive producer of The Simpsons, so does he see the show continuing on yet, or do you think they'll make it to a thousand episodes? And he pointed out that would be 12 more years of Simpsons? I could see it happening. Could you? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think people are going to start dropping dead. I mean, some of the cast sound so old at this point. Mm But it's the easiest gig in Hollywood, I guess they always say. I, they... I guess, you know, but, but Al Jean also got asked, now that The Simpsons are owned by Fox, and the Fox, of course, is owned by Disney, are we finally going to see a sequel to, to the 2007 The Simpsons movie? And Al responded by saying, I would say yes, although we're in the very, very early stages. Uh, we'd love to do one for Disney, but it's not like it's happening next week or next year. Have you seen any of the stuff bubbling up about The Simpsons and Universal's theme park rights to this IP? No, I haven't, but I would love to know more. We're kind of in clickbait country. I mean, if you read these articles, they, well, it's like, okay, so if The Simpsons, if Disney refuses to extend the theme park rights, what IP might they replace them with? And a lot of people are speculating because of The Simpsons ride makes use of motion-based simulators that... Maybe they'll bring in Star Trek. And it's like, as near as I understand, the Simpsons theme park agreement, the deal that Gracie Films cut with Universal, runs at least through 2028. I guess it was a a 20-year deal with increments of five years that could be renewed. If you look at Universal Parks as a worldwide entity, there's a heavy Simpsons presence in Hollywood and Florida, but not at Universal Studio Japan, certainly not at Singapore. And the new Beijing park doesn't have a Simpsons land. So if you're thinking on a global scale, it wouldn't necessarily be all that big a deal if they did lose the rights to the Simpsons. And given Comcast's attitude when it comes to the theme parks these days, it's kind of like how Terminator 3D got replaced by the Bourne uh, Stuntacular. It's like, you know, what do we own? What IPs do we have we could base theme park attractions on? What if there was like a, they give Disney Marvel in Florida and Disney lets them keep Simpsons? Is there any kind of quid pro quo? I've heard the scenario floated a couple of different times as most recently as Disney actually offered to kill Oz the Great and Powerful 
so that Universal would have Wicked, the, the movie, all to itself. It would have, you know, Oz all to itself if they'd give up the theme park rights to Marvel. But again, that's years ago, especially post-COVID and given what's going on in the industry these days, all bets are off. You know, it's entirely possible that, that they might make that deal. The Simpsons at this point, they're ubiquitous. I mean, they're everywhere. They're part of our modern world. But are they exactly appointment television anymore? I don't I don't think so. Yeah. Also, that land has just aged so quickly, I feel like. Yeah. The, yeah. the CG is not great in the film. Mm-hmm. Harry Shearer's lack of involvement is very apparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's not great. Bring ba- Hashtag mm-hmm. bring back Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag release the Back to the Future cut. That's what I say. Well, speaking of which, though, what became of Back to the Future the musical, though, wasn't that supposed to debut in England just as COVID was coming down? I remember how Roger Bart was playing Doc Brown? Oh, oh, I didn't know he was playing Doc Brown. I know that Bob Gale, I think, wrote the book and that he and Zemeckis, I think, had watched some of the rehearsals, right? There's this wonderful little bit on YouTube where it's Roger Bart coming in the back door of the theater and you know how they have the check-in desk at the theater. And right. so he's coming in, signing in for the night. And the gentleman who, you know, behind the desk lowers his newspaper. And it's Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> and there's this wonderful moment where Roger, you see Roger Bart kind of freaking out. But, you know, he signs and he goes. And then, you know, Lloyd looks up, you know, then lifts his newspaper back up and says, he'll do. You know, giving his blessing to the new Doc Brown. Yes, there's also a expedition Back to the Future. Have you seen this? That's going to be on no. Discovery Plus with that guy Josh Gates, I think, is who goes around and like looks for mysteries or whatever. And they're doing, they're trying to track down different artifacts from Back to the Future. It looks, it looks kind of fun. I think oh. Chris, Christopher Lloyd is in it too. So definitely have to seek that out. Okay, and as long as we're talking about pseudo sci-fi, another weird little animated thing that's going on actually tonight. Over at BBC America. Uh, have you heard about this? The, the Doctor Who Fury from the Deep? No. This started off life as a live action version of the long-running BBC sci-fi series. It airs on the BBC in 1968, but videotape is expensive, Drew. As a, a physical thing, and it costs money to store it. So in 1974, the BBC made a decision to erase the videotape that these particular episodes of Doctor Who were on. So the show at this point doesn't exist except for, I want to say, audio recordings that some fan made off of their television uh, with a reel-to-reel recorder. And there's a few stills that were shot during production of the television show. And the Doctor Who fan base is so strong and so crazed about this show. The thing that debuts tonight, this will be, I want to say, the eighth time that they've done this. But what they've done is they they go back in and using the audio and the stills, they animated it. They animated a television show from 1968. So it's got really cheesy sets and it's very slow paced and no disrespect to the Doctor Who fans out there, but the the writing is not great. I don't even think a a Matt Smith or a Peter Capaldi or Jodie Whittaker could make this work, but it's going to be on tonight uh, along with The Simpsons over here. 
you're looking for for interesting animation to check out. Oh, so they turned this into six 20-minute episodes, <laughs> too. Yes. Good yes. Lord. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm looking at how to record it right now. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I have to ask because I, you know, I know in the past we've, we've talked about some of the episodes of the third and final season of DuckTales, but did you get to watch the 90 minute long last adventure? Yes. I thought it was pretty amazing. What did, what did you think? I liked that they brought back April, May and June, but if you're going to do that deep a cut from the Donald Duck comic books, where's grandma duck? Okay. You know, with her, her little shoes and you know, all that. I don't know if I needed Webby to be Scrooge's clone, or I apologize, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, I liked it. It was very Venture Brothers-esque. There we go. There we go. Okay. One thing I really, really enjoyed was the Manny the Headless Man Horse gag, how, in fact, I, I couldn't help but think of your great story you told last week about gargoyles, where here was this... Flat out reference to Gargoyles to the point they actually brought Keith David in to voice Manny and even had him said, I live again. You know, so it's like, oh, I hope there's watching this. Yeah. Well, I was thinking last week, like, it's interesting that they haven't done a Gargoyles tie in because they were incorporating Mm -hmm. all of those different Disney afternoon shows and then to have it pay off in this week (laughs) and that they use the original theme music, too. Yeah. I mean, Crazy. It was, I loved it. I thought it was a great, great cap to a wonderful series. I thoroughly enjoyed the DuckTales reboot. And in fact, the goodnight kiss at the end with everybody, you know, falling out of the plane after the launch pad, you know, accidentally opens the cargo door. And that was beautifully animated and great fun. Launch pad's arc was very moving, I thought, during that episode. I agree. I agree. You know, <laughs> I particularly love that moment of blathering exercise pants and the, the mission. Eh, close enough. <laughs> <Get on. laughs> it sets up so many things, though, Jim, that we're never going to see, which is very upsetting. Well, do you want to talk about the, the movie that you just watched from, from, oh, from yes. the Disney canon? Of yeah. Well, I got to say that right now, I think until April 5th, Kino Lorber, uh, mm-hmm. the great home video uh, mm-hmm. distribution label, is has a sale. So mm-hmm. I picked up a bunch of weird stuff and in- including a bunch of sort of touchstone slash Hollywood movies from the eighties and nineties, which aren't available to buy on VOD and aren't, will never be on Disney plus as long as we live. Although did you see that, uh, Mark Twain and me is coming on to Disney plus next yes, month? Yes. Yes. And in fact, I think you, <laughs> you were talking about yes. how weird that film is. Well, first of all, You've got Jason Robards in about 15 pounds of rubber. Oh, he looks unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah, uh, playing Mark Twain. And it is, it's kind of from the darker period of Mark Twain's life. This is a point where he's estranged from his daughters, isn't he? Yes, or, and, he, and, and he befriends this young girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff on Disney Plus in April. We, we will talk, I'm sure, okay. at some point okay. about the uh, Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars is finally coming on. Yes. Well, yes. we can. We should save that, I guess, for closer to when it comes out. But yeah, I watched a movie called My Science Project, which was made and released in 1985 and stars the kid from Christine. There's actually a Christine reference in the movie. Um, oh. So if you want, I mean, it, it's a really weird movie, but it's, 
Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun. So John Stockwell, who is now a director himself, and Fisher Stevens, who is now playing there we go. an Italian. Yes, he's now he's playing an Italian kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he would pl- play an Indian kid in um, Short Circuit a few years there later. Mm-hmm. But it's really weird. It's it's in the same vein as Back to the Future and Weird Science, but it is totally bizarre. And it has animation that was done by Disney Animation at the time, and including people like Barry Cook, who co-directed Mulan, and Gary Truesdale, who directed uh, you know Beauty and the Beast and Hunchback of Notre Dame and Atlantis. And it's very much worth seeking out. So Kino Lorber sale going on right now. Okay. Well worth oh. however much it is. Yeah, if you want to see um, Dennis Hopper, who gets sucked into a vortex and then comes back after living for several days in the 1960s again. When he comes back from the vortex, he's dressed as he was dressed in Easy Rider, right? Yes. It, yeah. It, the cheesiest version of what he was wearing in Easy Rider. <laughs> well, no, Easy no, Rider. I get that. I get that. But, yeah. Uh, Drew and I love this movie for, yeah. for very odd reasons. I mean, the dinosaur is fun. And, yes. and the fact that they, they found <laughs> what the one actor in Hollywood actually looked like Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah, it, it's pretty uncanny. I mean, it's fun. It's not it's not sophisticated or anything. No, but it, it's, no, no. It's really it's, fun. Yeah. And I want to say it was one of those things that Eisner walked in the door and inherited. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily something that he put into production, but this was Disney and its fumbling, you know, throwing stuff against the walls to see what would stick situation. And I, I think he got that. He got Return to Oz. He got Black Cauldron. Country. Yeah, they were all in the hopper, and it's just sort of like, welcome to Disney, here's your releases, <laughs> you know, good luck with them. Uh, so. Yeah, Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend, which oh. I thought I thought was exclusively a Disney um, Sunday night movie. I had no idea it was actually released. Oh. No, no, no. In fact, I, I have my copy of Cinefax magazine. In fact, by the way, did, did you get a copy of the very last issue of Cinefax? Uh, no, what, what was on the, uh, oh, what was the, on the cover? It's the Mandalorian Mank. Oh, yeah. But also Star Trek Discovery in the stand. But both seasons of effects work on uh, The Mandalorian, kind of a a companion to that behind-the-scenes thing that they did after Disney... Oh, Disney Gallery? There we go. Yeah. Okay. We've officially been in the news segment of the show for about 15 minutes at this point, but I, I forgot the plug, so hang on. News portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online with storybookdestinations.com. Okay, let's talk about Raya. I don't know if you saw the news that just broke about how it did over its third weekend in release. And I guess basically it's within inches of what they did for their second weekend in release, which Mm -hmm. I guess has to make the folks at Disney happy. By the way, did you hear anything about, uh, what was it, Kelly Marie Tran and... Carlos Lopo's Estrada turning up at, at the El Cap on Friday. No, that's great. All right, correct me if I'm wrong. Some LA theaters opened last weekend, but yeah. the bulk, bulk of them opened this weekend? Or how did they yeah, work? They, well, the, yeah, this weekend was was um, all the AMCs opened up. So the big one in Burbank, the AMC City Walk, which, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I'm fully vaccinated, Jim, I will be going to see Tenant in IMAX. <laughs> It has to happen. The, the prophecy okay. has to be fulfilled. Um, okay. Okay. But yeah, there was a lot. I saw a lot of people going to the theaters this weekend, so it was kind of nice to see. All right. Cool, yeah. Cool. 
Now, on last week's show, when we were talking about the art of Ray and the Last Dragon, which, again, Chronicle Books just put out, went on sale uh, March 16th of this week. Yeah. But you were talking about how, in a weird sort of way, it was kind of sad for you to have the, the book in your hands because... So many of the folks who worked in this are, are no longer at Disney. In fact, I, I want to say you mentioned Helen. Yeah, Helen Chen and Corey Loftus and mm. and Amy Thompson are no longer mm. there, Jim. Okay. But. Then we got news this week that Helen's found a new gig. Do you want to talk about K-pop yeah. Demon Hunters? Or? Yeah, it's Helen and Amy are both working on this K-pop Demon Hunters, mm. which is being directed by Chris Appahans, who... Mm directed Wish Dragon, which we still haven't seen. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Maggie Kang, who worked on mm-hmm. the Lego Ninjago movie, and mm-hmm. it's described as being an homage to Kang's Korean pride mm-hmm. and the wildly popular K-pop music Maggie grew up with. And it looks really fun, and it looks mm-hmm. sort of like Sailor Moony, but there's already like all this fan artwork going up on Twitter and stuff, so people are really excited. We've got this title, K-Pop Demon Hunters. Do you think that's actually going to stick? I mean, did Demon Slayer, which is now the highest grossing Japanese release of all time. Right. That's supposed to be launched theatrically here in the States and in Canada on April 23rd. And if it were me, I'd be a little concerned about those titles are a little close, but... On the other hand, maybe well, I also you, don't think you, this we're going to see this for many years. So, well, there we go, there yeah. we go. But it's Sony Pictures Animation, and given what they did with Into the Spider Verse, I can't wait to see this. And I, I can't talk about it yet, Jim. But just wait until you see Mitchell's versus the Machines. Okay, just okay. you wait. It All is. Right. I, 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 I can't say anything. I shouldn't even say <laughs> that I've seen it, but I have seen it, and it's amazing. Anyway, go ahead, Jim. Let's quickly move on. <laughs> Have you seen the test footage yet for the Rescue Rangers thing? No. I guess they showed it during that Investor's Day thing back in January. I think you were the one who let us all know about one of the main conceits of the movie. is It's a live-action film. Dale's going to be... Is it... I don't know who I don't know who's who, but one of the okay. characters is hand drawn and one is CG. And they talked about yeah. it, I think, during the Investor's Day, but yeah, they didn't yeah. show the footage. Well, and the other thing is in the clip is Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, eh. all right. But anyway, I, the reason we were talking at length about this is it finally, after this test footage, you know, was out there, they only just this week officially began shooting the film. Yeah. I think they also are starting to shoot um, the Peter Pan movie, too. Are they really? Yeah. They, I think they there was an announcement the other day that they're shooting that, so... A lot going on, Jim. Is that over in the UK? The, yeah, that's the David in the UK. Lowry yep. thing? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, as long as we're talking about things that are going to show up on Disney subscription streaming service, I guess it, it's, it's only fair to talk about Paramount Plus. And they've been actually adding folks to the, the Rugrats revival. Tony Hale has just been hired to voice Chucky's dad. Natalie Morales is coming on board as Phil and Lil's mom. Anna Chomsky is going to be voicing Angelica's mom, and Michael McKeon is going to be doing Grandpa Lou Pickles. He's, uh, he's the third. Uh, what I heard an UG there. What? No, uh, I said what? I. I lo- Michael McKeon is so good, and he was so good. Have you Have you been watching Better Call Saul, Jim? 
No. Okay. No. He plays okay. he plays Bob Odenkirk's brother mm-hmm. on Better Call Saul, and it is an amazing performance. So okay. now I'm going to get okay. on your ass to watch okay. Better Call Saul. Okay. But yeah, the, the, Michael's actually the third actor to do Lou Pickles. Uh, first, of course, was uh, you know sitcom veteran David Doyle, and then we had the late great Joe Alasky, the voice of Plucky Duck, and all that sort of stuff, and. But we've got also the original uh, voice actors of the regards coming back. E.J. Daly as Tommy, Nancy Cartwright as Chucky, Cheryl Chase as Angelica, Cree Summer as Susie, and Kate Susie as both Phil and Lil. And did you see the interview with Brian Robbins? I'm just fascinated that Brian is now the president of Nickelodeon. (laughs) You know, when you you think back over his career path, it's just now he's in charge over there. You know, he was talking about the way they've deliberately mixed this up, that we have the original cast back. But again, the problem is that the show is 20, 25 years old, and they thought, you know, it would be important to bring in some exciting new comedic voices. So that's Tom Hale, and of course, Michael McKeon. So with the idea that you get that Venn diagram thing going of, you know, the fans of the original series, but the people who also come to find, you know, listen to, you know, Tony Hale and, and Michael McKeon, Still don't have a, a date for the official launch of this thing. All they're saying is that Rugrats Revival will debut on Paramount Plus later this spring. Oh, so it's um, already done, I guess. I have no idea. Okay. Further confusing news. You were very nice to clue me into the Infinity uh, Train Book 4 trailer, mm-hmm. which is being advertised as the final season of this animated series from Owen Dennis. But it's also being described as a Max original series, because I guess it season three uh, debuted on uh, HBO Max in August of last year. But see, I started watching this thing when it was on Cartoon Network back in August of 2019. And I haven't seen season three because I guess I wasn't paying attention when it dropped. I don't think I have either. And this is the problem, Jim, because there's just so much stuff. I'm honestly starting to get concerned about with so many things now behind walls on so many subscription streaming services, it's getting into to be kind of a triage situation. It's, it's kind of deciding how you use your time. Well, and how you use your money, too. Well, there's also that. And then you have projects like this. It, you were nice enough to point out that the Everyone Hates Chris animated reboot. So... That's the sitcom that aired on CBS for four seasons back in 2005 to 2009. And they're now looking to reboot it as an animated series. This is the Corner Gas model. I, I don't know if you, you're familiar with that, that CTV series. No. Great, great, great uh, Canadian sitcom uh, by Brett Butt. Uh, ran for six seasons up there, 2004 to 2009. Then came Corner Gas the movie in December of 2014. And finally, in December of 2016, they announced that they, they were going to do Corner Gas Animated. And, and it was basically the entire cast of the original sitcom, with the exception of Janet Wright, who sadly passed away in, in November of 2016 after filming of Corner Gas the movie had been completed. Uh, but they all came back uh, to do the show, uh, debuted in April of 2018. Third season of the show, bowed in October of last year, and it's now available on Amazon TV and IMDb TV, and I guess everybody's waiting for CTV at this point to 
pick up season four. But this one has actually proven that you can do this. You can take a popular sitcom and bring it back as an animated show and basically pick up right where you left off. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how Spirit Horse of the Cimarron, uh, a beautiful hand-drawn film, then became a DreamWorks television animated series, Spirit Untamed, and is now like a hundred times more popular than the original film. Am I, am I right there? Or? Uh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched any of the show? Well, the thing is, I'm not a 10-year-old girl, Drew. You're not? Just, it's, well, it, it, it's a lot of makeup. Inside, you're a 10-year-old Inside. girl. Inside, yeah. Well, that reminds me of one of my favorite Stephen King jokes, or, or actually... Uh, no, Stephen King tells us about another writer, but it's basically, you know, I have the heart of a 10-year-old boy, and I keep it here in a jar on my desk, you know, <laughs> so, but that's oh the thing, I mean, I don't have to be the target audience to appreciate the craft and the style and how well they've marketed, and, and certainly if you walk the toy aisle at, you know, a Target or that sort of thing and see the number of the spirit toys out there, it's been a successful revival, and so it's not really surprising to see it coming out in theaters on June 4th of this year. But I have to admit, I was intrigued by how DreamWorks Animation decided to launch this trailer. I mean, did, did you see they, they debuted it on the Grammys just last Sunday night? Yes, I did see that. And i kind of intrigued by the Trojan horse operation here, because I guess as part of the trailer, we got to hear Taylor Swift's re-record of her song Wildest Dreams, which I guess was off of her 1998 album. And is this part of that whole I'm re-recording my catalog thing? Or Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And from a DreamWorks animation side of things, the fact that she's out there, in fact, she, I guess, ahead of this trailer debuting at the Grammys, she was on her Instagram stories account talking up that the trailer was about to be this. Thank you, Spirited Untamed, for using Wildest Dreams' Taylor version in your new trailer. And the fact that Swift has over 144 million Instagram followers. She's in the top 20 for Instagram. I honestly think it's a very smart play on DreamWorks Animation's part to get her to sort of link up this way, especially given the 10-year-old girl demographic right it's the the spirited hunting i mean it's like wow let me introduce you to your an entirely new group of fans you know who right. will now come, come on board and buy all of your stuff there are some very 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 smart people out in la but something like this when it's just that cold-blooded you just have to like wow right i hope somebody who's working from home gets a bonus check for that <laughs> one speaking of re-recording when drew and i get back we're going to be talking about how we almost got the original Baloo back for Disney's Tailspin series. So a few shows back, Drew and I were talking about what an amazing job Adam Polly did as the voice of the adult kit cloud kicker on DuckTales. Uh, this was season three, episode 20, the lost cargo of kit cloud kicker. And, and then of course, Drew, you chimed in with, you know, he did that wonderful episode of, uh, happy oh. endings. Happy endings yeah. with Ghost Protocol. Yes. <laughs> so for me, it made me think of the original Tailspin, which debuted back in September of 1990. They produced 65 episodes of the show with the idea that this animated series could then be stripped, 
run Monday through Friday for 13 weeks in a row without a single rerun. The show was developed by Jim Magon, who worked on Disney's Adventures of Gummy Bears, DuckTales, and Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, and Mark Zaslov, who wrote, story edited, and co-produced The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh for Disney television animation. So both of these guys were fans of a television series, Tale of the Golden Monkey. It shows up for one season on ABC. It starts in September of 82, but it's basically the series that got greenlit on the back of the success of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. So it's attempting to do Indiana Jones on a TV budget. They, they've got Stephen Collins in the indie role. And Yikes, Jim. Remember what <laughs> happened with Stephen Collins. Y- yes. Okay. Yes, yes okay. we know. Okay. <laughs> so given that Jim and Mark were fans of Tales of the Golden Monkey, they took the premise of that show, a cargo delivery service, and decided the blue character from Disney's 1967 hit, The Jungle Book, they'd make him a pilot of a cargo delivery service. But what they thought was their genius idea was that they were going to get Phil Harris, the original voice of Baloo, to come back and voice this same character for this new Disney television animation series. But here's the thing. Phil is 85 at the time, and he's game. He's up for the idea, Drew. But he has a few conditions. I mean, because he's basically retired from show business at this point, he's living out in Palm Springs with his wife of 45 years, Alice Faye. And he doesn't want to drive down to L.A. for every recording session, nor does he want to stay in town for any of these recording sessions. So if Disney really wants Phil to voice Baloo for Tailspin, they're going to have to provide a limo and a driver for the four-hour drive each way to get Harris from Palm Springs down to L.A. for these recording sessions. Obviously a huge expense, but the thinking of Disney television animation is that the additional goodwill and publicity the Tailspin will have by having Phil Harris back to voice Baloo is going to be worth it in the long run. There were those folks at Disney who were concerned about Phil's age, but as Magon and Zaslav pointed out, when Harris had originally recorded all of Baloo's dialogue for the original Jungle Book, he'd been 60 years old. And he'd already largely retired from performing. In fact, it was supposedly Walt Disney who personally persuaded Phil to come out of retirement to voice Baloo after he ran in, Walt ran into Harris at a party at Palm Springs. So I've heard another version of the story where Alice Faye basically went up to Walt at a party and sort of buttonholed him. And it's like, look, you have to do me a favor. Phil is driving me crazy. I need you to get him out of the house. You know, all he does is plays golf or he hangs out with his buddies. And it's just that he's, he's underfoot. I need him gone. And so right. you know, that's when Walt offers him the job. But here's the thing. 60 is not 85. And Phil, after he was driven down to L.A. for the first few recording sessions for Tailspin, Megan, to his horror, saw that, that the now severely underpowered Harris had lost its comic timing. Uh, and here's the quote, that Harris's age was a factor. Uh, Phil just didn't have the slick con man timing anymore. And I, I love working with Phil, but I was distraught to inform management that he just wasn't going to work out for 65 episodes. So... Phil was let go, replaced by Ed Gelbert, who who did a, a really passable Baloo the Bear. Yeah. And Harris was philosophical about losing the part. I mean, yes, he'd, he'd done Baloo for Disney in 67, and then Thomas O'Malley the Cat and the Alley Cat in, in Aristocats in 1970. Likewise, uh, Little John 
in uh, Robin Hood in 73, but people don't remember that he was originally part of the vocal cast of the Rescuers. He was the swamp division of the, the Rescue Aid Society. Yes, yeah. They originally had a bullfrog, General Bullfrog was their leader, and and Phil voiced that character. In fact, isn't it Don Hahn who tells the story about working with Willie Reitherman on The Fox and the Hound and how they were hiring Phil Harris and Charo to perform this giant song in like the second act of the, yes. the, the movie that these birds were going to teach Trixie and Todd about mating. So there was some sort of elaborate song yeah, and dance it was, number. Yes. Yeah. It was called like the birds and the bees or something oh, like that. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it, I guess it, it was one of the, it turned out so badly that, that this was actually one of the excuses they used to push Wooly off of the movie. The original voice for Henry in the Country Bear Jamboree was Phil Harris. Oh, really? For whatever reason, after a couple of sessions, the Imagineers he's realized he's the wrong guy for this role, and that's when they brought in Pete Renaday. And and you know, I mean, Phil, you know, I, you're an actor; you lose jobs sometimes. Getting old isn't easy, and uh, Phil lived long enough to see Tailspin come on the air, and we lost him in August of '95 at the age of 91. Kind of reminds me of, of what happened with Paul Winchell on Winnie the Pooh and the Family Tree. It eventually became known as the Tigger movie, but Winchell went in for the initial recording session for Family Tree in December of 98. And after he finished recording the first day's dialogue, just listened to it. And it's just sort of like, this is the voice of an old man doing Tigger and the fact that Tigger was going to have to carry this movie, and this is how Paul sounded now, just was not going to work out. And so they let him go, and ironically enough, they turned to Jim Cummings, the gentleman who replaced Sterling Holloway as the voice of Winnie the Pooh, and said, hey, you can do Tigger. Do you want to do Tigger and Pooh in this movie? This really didn't go over well with a lot of people in Hollywood especially didn't go over well with the Imagineers who were finishing up working on the main adventures of Winnie the Pooh attraction for Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom at that time. It wouldn't open until June of 99. But they deliberately brought Paul in to do the voice of Tigger with the message that not every division at Disney feels this way about how your voice sounds now. And I think it's Kevin Rafferty in his Magic Journey book who talks about Paul's very last recording session is Tigger. Well, isn't this that he, his very last recording session, instead of saying TTFN, he said TTFE, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As in ta-ta forever. Yeah. So, yeah. The writing I, was on the wall, Jim. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But you know from all of your writing about Disney over the years, I mean, this happens. Voice actors get replaced for various reasons. I mean, you and I were talking about out ahead of this, I mean, everything that happened with Hunchback. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, it's, I was just thinking about this, that, you know, Raya was was introduced with a different Raya at D23. That's right, that's right. Uh, Cassie Steele was announced, she came out on stage, she did the Mm -hmm. whole dog and pony show, and then she was replaced by Kelly Marie Tran, which, you know, Mm -hmm. we forgot to talk about this this week, but they announced the cast for Monsters at Work, and did you see that Kelly Marie Tran has been replaced it is all going round and round, Jim. Um, 
But uh, yeah, that the character that she was going to play mm-hmm. is now being voiced by Mindy Colling. So oh. kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Hunchback was a pretty interesting case, right? Because mm. Cindy Lauper and Sam Mc- Sam McMurray were voiced as t- were cast as two of the gargoyles, mm-hmm. and. I'm not sure which test screening it was, but at some point there was a test screening and both got replaced by mm-hmm. what's his name from from Murphy Brown and oh, uh, Jason Charles Alexander. Charles McEnroe. Yes. Yeah. yes. Charles McEnroe. And um, uh, Jason Alexander, who had been a part of the Aladdin kind of extended universe by then already. That's right. right. That's right. Okay. So, yeah. yeah and then, of course... Mary Wicks, who voiced the third gargoyle, mm. died during production and was replaced by Jane Withers on a few lines. But apparently that happened, like the the kind of, you know, we've talked about Jim Cummings, mm. speaking of him, replacing George C. Scott on a couple of lines of Rescuers Down Under because Scott was such a pain in the ass. And also replacing Jeremy Irons for half of uh, Be Prepared. Right there we go. There so we go. it happens a lot. It does, and and at some point, I have a bunch of stories from from friends in Florida who worked on uh, Mulan about dealing with uh, Eddie Murphy, and that some of people's favorite lines for for Mushu aren't Eddie. There's a disc jockey in Miami who evidently did a better Eddie Murphy than Eddie Murphy, and. Eddie evidently was just of the, the school of thought of, you know, I gave, I recorded that for you. I don't need to come back and do it again. Do you remember this DJ's name? Is it Mark Mosley? I'm going to have to make a few calls. You know, okay. That was a while ago. That, okay. that I remember talking with okay. you know folks down there in 97 and 98. Just to circle back to the Phil Harris uh, Tailspin stuff. Jim Magon says that everything that Phil recorded was discarded. But I just, you got to wonder if we're we're kind of in Doctor Who country that did somebody in those recording sessions hang on to that? And if so, how did that version of Blue sound? All right. Well, anyway, that's going to do it for this week for fine tuning, folks. Got to say, though, that, you know, if you're, you're looking for some other fun podcasts to listen to, you don't really have to go all that far. There is the the, the trio of, of great shows that Drew does. We all have under one the- umbrella, though, Jim. Though you don't have to, you don't have to subscribe to three shows. It's all oh, it's all okay. under the Light the Fuse umbrella, Jim. So, okay, so yeah. but again, we've got Light the Fuse, Light the Wick, and again, my favorite name, <laughs> new podcast name, Light the Fuselage. Yes. Where where are we, by the way, with with, with these shows? That, that, that uh, we're in, still in the middle of Light the Wick. Um, okay. We are working out when Light the Fuselage is coming online. Um, I had a very nice call with Paramount this week, so they are very enthusiastic about it. And so we really just need to see the movie, which is going to be fun. I think we're actually going to be able to see it in a theater, which will be nice. Ooh, and then uh, even better, even yeah, better. yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Again, all under one umbrella, all very, very entertaining. On this side of the street, what do we got? Disney Dish with Len Testa. We got Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams. Uh, Dustin Fuse and I are going to be recording a brand new edition of Universal Joint. Anyway, folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show you just listened to here, fine-tuning, that would be incredibly helpful. Head over to Bandcamp and subscribe. 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Thanks for listening, folks.